Hi, I'm Steve Saylor. I'm blind. I play video games. And welcome to the Blind Gamer Podcast. It's been a hot minute since I've done an episode on this feed. I looked it up before I started recording, and it was May 4th was the last time I put out an episode. And I think it was the God of War Accessibility Review. And that technically wasn't really a podcast because it was more of a, a video that I just turned the audio into a podcast episode. So I apologize. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, but before I really get into the crux of this episode, the subject of this episode, which is the Blind Gamer Game of the Year. And I've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about in that. But I really wanted to kind of record something before the end of the year, before the end of 2018, to kind of reflect on what 2018 what felt like for me. And what my goals are for 2019. I don't have anything concrete, but I wanted to at least bookend this year um, with going back to my roots of podcasting. Because for those who have been following me for a long time or those who are brand new, I started podcasting in 2005. So it's been about 13 years since I started creating content on the internet. So I really kind of want to go back to my first love, which was podcasting, which was being on the radio. So this, for me, is lethargic it's um it's uh, it, there's just it, it's it's like kind of going back to an old home and not really nostalgic kind of thing but it just sort of feels right it feels so great just to kind of sit behind a microphone again and not have to worry about how does like the lighting look on the video or is the green screen gonna look okay or how polished do i look it's kind of nice and i thought about actually doing this as a video but i it just really I love the intimacy of audio because you can listen to this at any given time. You don't have to sit in front of your phone or in front of your computer screen and watch a video. You can sort of listen to this as you go. And that's what I love about podcasting. It's such a passive medium that you could be doing anything. You could be vacuuming your house. You could be doing chores and you could still listen to me and enjoy the content that I create. So, uh, spoiler, the uh, uh, spoiler alert, the 2019 goal I have is to definitely do more podcasting. And I really want to kind of just sit down and not really have anything polished. I'll have some notes and I do have some notes of, of what I want to talk about, but I don't want to just have to make sure that everything is perfect in order to be able to put out content. And that's how I felt in 2018. I started off strong with creating the Patreon, creating this podcast, and I was really kind of pushing forward to try to see if I can be able to make Blind Gamer financially stable enough for me to be able to do this for a living. And I was trying I was trying so hard to be able to make everything perfect and make everything like super polished as much as I can because I know I have the production capability to do so. But I realized that not everything has to be polished. Not everything has to be perfect. Because I felt like perfect is the is the is the monster of creating good content. And it's not like I, I feel like that qua, uh, that quantity is better than quality. I really do appreciate good quality videos and good quality content. But there's a bit of an intimacy with just not being 100% polished. It makes it feel at least that in a way that I'm being as honest as I can. And I feel like that... It, being myself is a lot better than creating a polished persona. And it's not and it's not to say that I have been over this year, like I've or these past three years of doing Blind Gamer. I still am very much myself like myself. I, I I don't know if you know, but whenever I'm recording a uh, an episode of Blind Gamer, 
I try to be as honest of reacting to the game that I'm playing as much as possible. So I always record my first reactions. I don't record a bunch and then sort of edit my stuff in later or record and then start at the beginning just so because I know what's coming up that I can sort of prepare a reaction. I want to keep as honest of a of reaction as possible. Um, but what I meant was is that I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to sacrifice good content just because I I feel like it's not perfect. Like even recording this episode and I feel like I apologize if, if I'm a bit all over the place, but recording this episode, this is I started this like I think like take like 25. This is take 25 of recording this episode, and I I've been struggling with that even now of trying to at least create content that it's it's turning off that that just block in my head. It's like oh that's no that's got to be perfect. This got to be polished, and I know like. And I don't want that to happen in 2019. I don't want my search for perfect to sacrifice a good video or a good piece of content. So that is my goal in 2019 is to just A, to podcast more and B, to not have to worry about whether or not a video is perfect in order to be able to release it. Um, That doesn't mean that, like I said, I'm going to sacrifice quantity over quality. Uh, I just want to be able to still put out content that I feel right about and however I'm feeling at the moment or what type of content that I'm going to create. And I think a lot of YouTubers are starting to kind of feel that way now. They take mental breaks to sort of kind of reevaluate what they want to do. And I feel like there are times that they'll be creating stuff that they're just creating it for the audience because that's what the audience wants, but they're not creating anything for themselves. And that's what I really want to get to the crux of. I want to create stuff that's that I'm fascinated about, that I'm interested about, and podcasting is definitely one of them. I don't really have any solid plans for Blind Gamer, the YouTube channel as a whole, although it's been a banner year. I've, I finally ca- crossed the 3,000 subscribers threshold, which is amazing, and I've been able to make a lot of amazing contacts within the industry this year, which has been amazing. So I'm just going to kind of keep going with Blind Gamer and create content and create videos that are fascinating to me. I'm going to create as as much as I can. Uh, I'm not going to make any promises of putting out an episode a week or uh, a video a week or just trying to be able to start up a long series again. I really just want to make content that I feel amazing about, that I feel like so passionate about so that that way – what you're watching, if you see that I'm interested, you'll find me interesting if you've never seen me before. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a phrase, it's a quote that I've, that I've always told people, it's especially if you're, like, if you're looking into creating content for yourself, I always say, if you're interested, you'll be interesting. And if you're interested and passionate about what you're talking about or what you're doing, then people are going to find that passion in you and they're going to be interested in what you're doing. So that's the, the quote that I've kind of been trying to be able to accomplish or do for myself and try to live by through my, myself when creating content. And I hope that comes across. Um, so with that being said, like 2018 was a great year. It was a fantastic year. I thought that 2017 was great. 2018 was fantastic. Like I said, launched a Patreon. Didn't really work. That's fine. I failed at that. I'll come back to it later. I can always try again. That's, that's all right. Starting this podcast was a really, really fun and I really want to get back into that again. 
Um, I, I'm not going to put be a slave to myself to try to be able to create an episode once a week, but I want to be able to create as much content as I possibly can. And that includes, I want to be able to talk to some of my friends, some of the people that I've talked to in this industry, and really kind of like just have some great conversations with people and also have a great conversation with you. Uh, I really, really do appreciate you listening. And I want to sort of like build this community uh, around blind gamer. And I really, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then also this year, I got to do my first play test with Ubisoft. I can't talk about anything more about it. If you want to check it out, my there's a YouTube video kind of explaining the kind of the whole situation of what it was like to do a play test. Uh, but that was really cool. And that's what led me to talking to who's now the accessibility advocate within Ubisoft, um, David Tesserand, who brought me up to Montreal this year to talk to their teams about what they're working on. Like I, I got to, I get to, I get to talk with people that are working on some really, really cool projects that I can't talk about yet. Cause you know, that dang NDA, but, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to be able to discuss what, uh, what's been going on and, I'm not teasing anything. I'm not like, there's no big project that I'm working on with them. It's just that uh, I can't wait to be able to see what uh, sort of uh, germinated from the seeds that we planted in November with some of the teams on some of the projects that Ubisoft is working on. That's going to be awesome. Uh, I got to, yeah, I got to do that. I got to go like co-host kind of funny, like the kind of funny games daily show, which that was something like, I've been listening to that show for four years now. Or at least, like, I've been listening to The Kind of Funny for four years. I've been listening to, or I've been, yeah, I've been listening to The Kind of Funny Games Daily Show since it started in episode one. And I got to be on that this year. I was the last small creator guest co-host that Greg put on <laughs> this year in 2018. Because he said, like, one of his goals was 2018 was to uh, showcase small creators on the platform that he has and, uh, like, building this community of just amazing creators and I got to be a part of that and I can't thank Greg Miller enough for for giving me that platform uh to really basically put a spotlight on accessibility and honestly I put a spotlight on myself for sure but put a spotlight on accessibility that is starting to be talked about more of within the industry but also like being talked about just in general like I think like accessibility is really like jump leads and bounds this year alone as well. Like the, the Xbox adaptive controller, that's really cool. Like that from a major like manufacturer, like the, of the top three, Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo, the fact that Microsoft took the time and the power and the resources that they have to create a controller that allows everyone to be able to play regardless of what disability you have. That's amazing. And I can't wait to see, what the the stepping stones or the cornerstones of what is being built this year is going to happen within the next couple of years. I can't wait. And so, and then 2018 really, really ended strong for me. And I like even actually, even going into streaming, like with my friend T Morris, uh, streaming destiny Two. I fell in love with destiny Two because of that, because of getting to kind of reconnect with a friend of mine that I've known for 10 years. And, He's a huge Destiny 2 fan, has a podcast called Happy Hour from the Tower. Definitely check that out if, if you're a Destiny fan at all. Uh, it's a great show. It's a great podcast, uh, and I, I've been on it. There's an episode of me on there. Uh, but the fact that T took the time to be able to kind of show me around Destiny 2 and help me through the campaign, 
Uh, I highly recommend uh, checking uh, checking T Morris out. He's at the T Monster at the the T T E E Monster um, on on Twitch and on social media as well. But I 2018 was great. 2019, I can't wait to see what's going to accomplish uh, or what we're going to accomplish together. And that being said, I think it's now time. It's about 12 minutes into this episode, and I haven't talked about the game of the year. Uh, and I have a list of games that I'm going to be talking about. And I and you've been very patient. So uh, if, if you've listened this far and you're like, okay, come on, Steve, do it. Thank you. And thank you for your patience. Um, so without any further ado, let's kick off the Blind Gamer Game of the Year for 2018. Uh, and I don't have any fanfare. I don't have any sort of special music or intro for it or whatever. I'm literally just sitting in my apartment and I've got my notes here. Uh, and I'm just going to jump right into it. So, But first, I'm going to talk about some honorable mentions of some of the games that I've played this year that uh, that not necessarily aren't game of the year material, but they are games that I did play that I do enjoy that I have not necessarily finished yet, but I want to like, it's, it's sitting in my queue ready to be able to play um, whenever I feel the need to uh, first up the, uh, the first honorable mention is far cry five, far cry five was uh, I'll freely admit was given to me uh, by Ubisoft. Uh, it was uh, a code that they gave that they sent me to be able to play. I, Enjoyed that. I haven't finished the game yet. I'm about, if you've played Far Cry 5, I've, I've completed uh, two of the three main areas. Uh, and I really want to kind of get back into playing that and and really kind of finishing the game. Because I can't wait to see what uh, Far Cry New Dawn is going to be. And I, I like, I'm kind of mad or sad that I didn't finish the game in time. Because I, I guess that I now know the spoiler of the end of Far Cry 5. If you looked at the New Dawn trailer... It's a, yeah, that's, it's that at least now I know what happens at the end of Far Cry five, but I think it's still going to be a kind of a cool ending regardless. Um, but I re- definitely recommend that. Um, and, uh, the next, uh, game I got red dead redemption two. It's a game that accessibility wise was, is really rough. Uh, especially with the fact that everything is in the top cor- or the corners of the screen. And that's really difficult for me to be able to see, um, but it's a game that I still enjoy. Like I love Red Dead. I love the first game, and it's it's a world that I definitely have an kinship to, and I definitely want to get back into it. But it's uh, it's it's going to be a slow burn for me. It's not for, and that's a spoiler. Red Dead Redemption Two is not my game of the year. Just saying, and I know it's going to get a lot of accolades this year, but it's not. <laughs> it's not my game of the year. Um, and I don't know actually if it's it's been selected as game of the year for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting how it got a lot of awards at the game awards, but not a lot of I'm seeing is game of the year, uh, like top of the list for people. Um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see how that, uh, like how that progresses in the future, especially with red dead online. I'm looking forward to trying that out at some point. Uh, next, uh, honorable mention Fortnite. Fortnite had an amazing year this year, and I don't want to sort of classify Fortnite as a really good accessible accessible game, but it was a game that actually I was able to kind of get into, even though I've never got a battle like the Victory Royale, which kind of sucks, but whatever. I still had fun playing it. 
And it everything was just I like the art style. I like just kind of the the fast pace of ness of it, and I actually like that better than PUBG. And I haven't played Blackout from Call of Duty yet, but from my understanding, is that uh, Fortnite was a really great. It's a really great game, and uh, and I know that it's sort of starting to kind of wane a little bit, but it definitely deserved its year. And this was a really banner year for them. So I'm really excited to see what Epic kind of comes out with, not just in regards to Fortnite, but just building on the momentum and the um, the great community that they've built and the uh, kind of the goodwill that they've built over this past year, um, just with the Epic Store and with developing tools that are freely available for game developers and for the community at large to be able to create some really cool stuff with Fortnite Creative uh, and the block. Like, it's, I, they're really making some really great steps, and it'd be really great to see what comes of Fortnite in 2019. Um, let's look at my notes here. The next honorable mention I have, uh, Forza Horizon 4. This is a game that I played once, and it was for my YouTube channel. And it's been a game that's been, like, in my queue every time I turn on my TV in my uh, in my office. I've been wanting to be able to kind of, like, is, is today the day that I'm going to jump back into Forza Horizon 4? Uh, and I, it's something that's always in my mind. It's it, I don't do well in driving games. If you haven't seen my driving video, yeah, that's a uh, <laughs> that's another thing actually in 2018 that I was very proud of that I got to drive a car for the first time. That's something I never did. So that's pretty that's pretty dope. Um, but Forza Horizon Four, there's something about it that I actually really really like and I really enjoy. Um, and I was really surprised by, and it's something I'm definitely going to get back into. And it's the only Xbox exclusive on my list that I was really impressed by. And it's something that I'm going to definitely get back into, whether I'm going to be streaming it um, or not. I don't know um, it, but I'm, uh, it's a game that I'm looking forward to jumping back in again and really, really enjoying. So that's my honorable mentions. And let's go into the game of the years. So I have a top five list of games that I've really enjoyed this year. Sorry, I took a, I took a sip of water because <laughs> this, is, this is a big deal for me. I, this is the first time I've actually got to do sort of a game of the year list. Um, so I'm excited. So I have a top five list of games that I've really enjoyed that I feel like are contenders for game of the year. And, I'm, and this list is not based on how accessible these games are. Um, I will talk about the accessibility of those games, but these are games that I personally have enjoyed that I feel um, uh, should be showcased and should be like, like even though they, they have as many accolades, as many attention as they have. Um, but these are games that I've, that I absolutely uh, love. And some of these actually might be my favorite games of all time. I'm just 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 saying uh, before I start. Uh, so number five, number five game of the year for me was Way of the Pacifist. No surprise there. If you've been following me on my YouTube channel, I've put out a lot of videos of me playing Way of the Pacifist, uh, including talking to uh, Jason Canham, who uh, was the co-founders of Household Games that basically created this game. Uh, and also even creating a video where I got to uh, bring in my new friend, Shelby Travers, who has never played a game, bef- like a video game since her 
uh, injury that made her blind 10 years ago. So this is the first video game that she actually got to play. And I got to sit back and watch uh, as she attempted to be able to play the game herself. And she did it amazing. I think this game is probably... I would say the most accessible game of the year, the most exciting accessible game of the year. It's not 100% perfect, but it does so many things right, especially for low vision. Um, the fact that you can be able to like turn off the contrast uh, or at least lower the contrast so you can just see the enemies and yourself and the uh, HUD uh, on the screen, and it's a lot e- like it's really great to see. There's uh, there's really big text. Um, there's a lot. There's like you can adjust how you can, like the difficulty of the enemies and how like it's it's a g- fighting game that I never thought I would actually enjoy because I suck at fighting games. And this game made me think that I like I can actually do pretty well. Um, and I actually did like I I enjoyed it. Like the soundtrack is is amazing. And I'm not saying that because I'm friends with. The, the people who made this game um, that that spoiler alert. Yeah. That, that's yeah. I'm friends with Jason. I'm friends with Ori who made, made the soundtrack. Um, so I know quite a, I know the team that put this together and I'm not putting this on this list because of that. I just think that in, in 2018, it's a game that is really accessible. Even though Celeste is kind of getting the sort of accolades for accessible game of the year. Uh, I think that Way of the Pacifist is is definitely right up there, and that's and that's a game that I really enjoy. I think if you haven't picked it up yet, Way of the Pacifist, definitely check it out. Um, I can't wait to see what this what the team comes up with next, especially with just just the momentum they've been they've had they've gained in just in 2018 alone. So um, check check that game out if you haven't played it yet. Uh, number four, this is a game that I didn't think would actually end up on my list. And to be honest, without even actually really looking it up right now, I don't know if this game actually came out this year. I think it did. Or it came out, maybe it came out in 2017. I don't know. Destiny 2. I, yeah, no, I know. I was I was surprised by that too. I did not think that uh, Destiny 2 would be on this list. But when I really kind of sat down and tried to come up with uh, a top five, this game kept coming up in my head. That this is a game that I really really enjoyed and part of it was because I got to stream it with my friend T Morris he helped me uh, immensely trying to build just helping me through the main campaign of the game because I did try it at first I played the demo of Destiny 2 and it was something I'm like yeah okay it's a first person shooter I get it it's it's not bad I suck at it but it's it's okay uh, and then I didn't really pick up Destiny 2 at all um, even, even when there was several of the expansions that came out and I didn't I didn't really give it its due until PlayStation put it out as its um, PlayStation Plus game of September. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. I downloaded it, started playing and streaming with uh, with T and it was a great game. I got to come like I got to finish like him and I he got, we got to complete the main story of Destiny 2. And including, if you haven't checked out my video yet, on it's uh, it's up now on youtube.com slash snowball, where I got the cl- killing blow on the final boss of the main campaign, which is something that I never thought I would be able to do. I mean, I've killed final bosses in games before, but with, like, playing with T, it's like he was backpacking me throughout the whole entire game. Like, let's be honest. Like, there was several times where he basically just kind of, he really... 
Like I, I, it was sort of like he he came into the room with it like like a, a, a like a massive cannon and just kind of killed everybody. And I just came in behind him and, and basically said, "And take that too." <laughs> like it was that's what I felt like about playing, but I still had fun. But the fact that I got the final killing blow was was so like raw and emotional for me. Like that was a really cool moment, and I think that was kind of like the summation of my entire experience with destiny 2 it it's a game that i would highly recommend don't play it with yourself play it with friends um destiny 2 is of is is the modern version of a mmo a massive multiplayer online game and i haven't had this much fun playing an mmo since the matrix online and if you know my if you know me long enough the matrix online has a, has a, a very special place in my heart and i may go into that story at some point but I think Destiny 2 is amazing to play with friends, and I highly recommend you checking that uh, that out. Especially like if you're on the fence of Destiny 2 and you're like, yeah, this game may not be for me, find some friends who are playing it or find some friends who are interested in playing it and play it together because it's really, really, really fun. Um, not the most successful game in the world, I'll be honest, but um, that's what friends are for, to kind of help you through it. So. Definitely recommend. So that's my number four game of the year. Now, now we're getting to the crux of it. These are the games that honestly could really kind of int- like switch up and down as my game of the year. Like they were really, it was really, really hard for me to decide on where these games landed in the top three um, or even just whether or not which game was going to be number one for me. Um, but the way I've sort of like broken it down is number three, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. This was a game I I spent pretty much a majority of this year trying to be able to complete Assassin's Creed Origins. It was the first Assassin's Creed game that I felt like I could actually play, and it was a, the gameplay of it was vastly improved from previous versions of the game, and I I I didn't think that I would actually enjoy it so much, like. Origins was was the story was great, but it was kind of a little bit hard for me to to finish. But what it was, it was something that happened. Basically, I started playing it when it came out, and then I stopped for a couple of months. I jumped back into it again, and then I just couldn't stop playing it. I really got sucked in. And if you've played the game, where it really started to suck me in was after I left Alexandria. Um, so it's like I think I got like to level twelve. Like once I hit level twelve that's when things started to kind of really pick up for me and be like, I am starting to really enjoy this. And before I knew it, I had completed the game. I completed the main storyline and that was it for me. I was like, that was emotional. The fact that I got to finish an Assassin's Creed game, the first one that I've ever been able to do in my entire life. Oh, even thinking about it now, it's actually, it's, it's making me a bit emotional. Um, so when Assassin's Creed Odyssey came along, I wasn't sure I was going to like it as much as I uh, as I did Origins. Um, but then as soon as I started playing it, oh, man, that story sucked me in hard. Like it like from the get go, I was immediately hooked. And I oh, that game, especially playing as like choosing. I, I was so glad I chose to play as Cassandra because I don't think I would have as much fun playing that game with uh, playing as Alexios. And I loved that the strides that Ubisoft took 
uh, from the engine that was created in Origins from the Montreal team, and then the Quebec team or the Quebec City team created took that and really refined it and built on top of it and built an amazing story around the world of Cassandra and Alexios that really sucks you in. And not only just that, but the side quests. There's there's some really amazing side quests that in Origins, I could barely remember any of the side quests that was on because there was just quite a few that were basically kind of like just repetitive. Um, I think there was like one side – I can't remember if even this is a side quest or if this was a story mission, but um, where there you – um, it's spoiler alert a little bit if you haven't fin- finished Origins, but there's uh, a story with a girl that basically gets killed, and that's all I'll say about that. That story hit me hard, and I couldn't remember if it's a side quest or if it's a main story mission, but that's one of the main like points of the game that I really, really like. Uh, I, I enjoyed of Origins, but with Odyssey, like I'm like there's so many really cool side quests that I didn't think that I was really going to enjoy or like, uh, like it would just sort of like, Oh, that's another side quest. Just to kind of keep going. But like it, it started off for me when I heard that you would have to t- like, there's in order to be able to complete the main story, you have to jump from like level 24 to level like 32. And I was like, that's a massive jump. I'm like, I don't know if I can be able to like, if, if I can grind to get to that point. So once I started, like once I heard that that was a thing, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a region in Odyssey and I'm going to really like just try to be able to complete as many quests as I can and just start building up that grinding out that level um, so that by, I can just keep the main story mission going. And before I knew it, I had 100% completed that one region. I was like, damn, okay. Uh, I really like this. And I started doing that with each kind of region that I'm in. There's one area that I'm in. Um, uh, I'm on this island, and the kind of main story of this island is um, – oh, God, I'm blanking on the name right now. It's Kira? Yeah, Kira. And that whole story with her, and she's a rebel, and she's rebelling against the Athenians. is like there's this whole thing. It's like it's a bunch of side quests that just like build up on top of each other. has really nothing to kind of do with the main story of – the game, but it's a, it's a cool side story that is just really, really fun to go through. And just the writers of that, of, uh, of that game was just fantastic. Um, and I know I've, I've been talking about it just for quite a while before I had a bit, but Assassin's Creed Odyssey is, is definitely a game that I haven't finished yet. I think I've put in, I think about 60, 70 hours in it at this point. Um, but I'm looking forward to being able to f- complete that. Then I can actually have, two Assassin's Creed games that I've completed in my lifetime, which is pretty awesome. And I can't wait to see what the next Assassin's Creed game is going to be like. Uh, yeah. Ooh, you just wait. Um, all right. Time for number two. This one might be a bit controversial as far as its placement. But for me, my number two game is God of War. I know, I know. A lot of people are saying it's their game of the year, and it definitely deserves it for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I didn't think I would sort of pick this as game of the year when I started thinking about this about a couple weeks ago, only just because it's it's been it was been so long since I played it. 
Uh, so I went back and kind of rewatched some videos of it, and I didn't want to kind of go back to play the game, but I just kind of wanted to get myself into that mindset of what God of War really was. Um, and I really started to remember a lot of enjoyment that I had playing this game. This was a game that I uh, I did not touch any game in the God of War franchise. I wasn't really that interested in it, but it was sort of like this new, fresh reboot of it, but not really a reboot that kind of sucked me in. And it wasn't even just the mythology of it, of it being sort of set into kind of the the Vikings sort of realm um, and everything with like o- like the mythology of the Vikings with Odin and, and Thor and all them. It was just the story of the fact that um, that Kratos had a son. And he was trying to raise him to not be turn into him. Like the, there was the father son story that really kind of like, like when I saw the first trailer of it, that I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And I'm not, I'm not a father. Uh, I'm an uncle, um, but I'm not a father. And I don't know if I would ever be a father. Now I'm thinking about it. Um, maybe someday. I don't know. But as of right now, I don't have any plans to. Uh, but I think just this the way that that game is crafted, um, just from moment to moment, that's kind of how I felt about the game. It wasn't like I was in one section or one section of the map or one sort of side quest. I didn't feel that gameness of it. I didn't feel like the the gamifying of that of that specific game. I felt that it was moments. There was moments in that game that really hit home for me um, that I really enjoyed, like everything from um, the the bonding that Kratos has with his son um, when they, uh, when they meet Mimir uh, and all like just, I don't want to get into really specific spoiler moments if you haven't finished it yet, but um, there's some great emotional beats in this, uh, in the, in this game. And then the story that I was, it was a lot of fun to, or to, to enjoy. And it was emotional and it was action packed. And I, there was, there was some really tough moments for me to be able to actually like kind of keep going. And, and, and I was frustrated at times, but I knew I, if I kept going and I kept trying that I could actually get through it. Uh, and it was, cha- so it was challenging in that respect. And, I really, the fact that the story interweaved with the action so much, like the guys at the Santa Monica studios uh, did an amazing job. The team there was, did an amazing job. And on any given list of God of War being the game of the year, I definitely a hundred percent agree with that. Um, But for me, it's uh, it, it hits like it's, it's tied. If I could say it was tied to number one, uh, that, would sort of be accurate, but in reality, it's uh, I. Th- it would have to be number two in comparison to my number one game of the year. Um, but I can't I can't say any like really any bad things about it. Other than Corey Barlog, hit me up if you want to be able to <laughs> if you want to be able to like talk about your tech size in your games. <laughs> I know that was a bit of an issue near the end, and I know you tried. I know your team tried, but. Uh, let's work on that for the next project that you're working on. Um, and I, I can help you with that. <laughs> um, so all that being said, 
Number five, Way of the Pacifist. Number four, Destiny 2. Number three, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And number two, God of War. What have I chosen as Game of the Year? If I had a drum roll, I would do that right now, but I don't want it. (laughs) Uh, I'll say, you know what? You do it on your end. Drum roll, please. Good job. All right. So Game of the Year for 2018. Blind Gamers, Steve Saylor's Game of the Year. Probably no surprise to many. Marvel's Spider-Man. That game, I did not expect to like as much as I did. It was a game that I was like, yeah, it's cool. Uh, great. A Spider-Man game. I liked Spider-Man 2 on, on, on the PlayStation when it came out. That was neat. But I was like, near the end, like when the, all the trailers kept coming out for it, and I was like, yeah, it's cool. But sure, I'll probably I'll play it at some point, but that's that's probably it. I won't do much of it. But when I started playing, it like I know I said this for a lot of games it sucked me in like I got so invested in this game to the point where I started completing as many side quests as I could and many uh different like trying to be able to like accomplish many trophies and, and get as many trophies as I could um because all the side stuff had stuff to, to like lore tied with it that um that made you want to go out and accomplish all these side stuff. Like if I tell you like on paper, okay, you're going to, there's going to be a side quest that you're going to have to collect 55 backpacks that you've placed across the city and you have to find them all. I'm like, Oh great. Okay. Another sort of collectibles type thing is going to be whatever. But each backpack that you found, there was a little bit of lore tied to it because it was an item that was in that backpack that started talking about sort of Spider-Man's past. Cause the way that story is set up is that it's eight years since Spider-Man first kind of came on the scene. So these 55 backpacks allowed the game to sort of tell you, here's what's happened in the past eight years. And without really having to have you read or do a bunch of cutscenes that kind of explain, here's what I've been up to this entire time. Um, and the, that kind of even tying in with sort of the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the way they sort of introduced lore and the backstories of all the different Spider-Men or Spider-Women or whatever, uh, <laughs> Spider-Pigs. <laughs> um, like, they really, uh, like, fleshed out the lore of Spider-Man and made me care about the characters uh, in this game. And uh, by the time I realized that I had sort of like I even started to accomplish a lot of these trophies and gaining a lot of these trophies. I was like, it was about halfway through and I was like, hey, I have like about 60% of this game completed. If I try to keep pushing forward, I can probably platinum this game. And I did. Like the story mission, like even though the story is like 20 hours long. And I and then I I know that for a lot of people, 20 hours is not a long time. And, and a lot of people have kind of rushed through that story. But for me, I really savored it. Um, I sort of, I took my time with it. I, uh, would do a bit of the story and then I would go do a bunch of side missions and then I would come back and do the story again if I kind of got bored and then I would keep doing that cycle back and forth. And when I realized that I had collected all the trophies and I was pretty close to platinuming the game, I only had three trophies left and there was the last three story trophies. So the fact that by the end of the game, I would have or the end of the story, I would have completed 100% of the game 
and I got my first platinum that I was like, all right, that's it. I'm in, let's do this. And that, uh, I'm getting a bit emotional to- like talking about it. I'm not going to spoil it, but that ending to that game, if you've played it and you know it, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, that I legit sobbed. I cried at the end of that game. Um, like there's even video uh, evidence of this. Um, like I sobbed for like a good 10 minutes. Just it like it hits you hard emotionally. Like what really did it. And this is not really a spoiler of it, but it's just, and it, I felt like Yuri Lowenthal was really robbed of the game uh, game awards. He deserved that award. I mean, yes, the guy who played Arthur in Red Dead Redemption two did a great job. I'm not denying his win, but Yuri Lowenthal, there was a one, it was just, it was one sound that he made that made me fully believe that he was Spider-Man. It was, it was at the end and um, he gets really hurt and his like scream that of when he got hurt was a scream of pain, but also of emotion. And it sounded as if like he had, he was crying in the middle of that. And it's just like, I, I felt like that's the kind of scream and, and, and reaction that I would give or that I would do if I was in that situation. And like, if there was so much emotion into that performance that I, Oh, it thinking about it now, I was like, Oh my gosh, that, that hits so home for me. And then continuing on with the rest of the the end of the story, there's one cut scene that, Oh, Thinking about it now, I'm really, really emotional about it. Um, I want to thank the Insomniac Games, uh, Insomniac Games, for making this uh, masterpiece. I haven't played the DLC yet. I've been looking forward to jumping into that. I was waiting for all of it to be released so I can kind of just dive in and and really get immersed in that world again. And that's, uh, uh, I think, I'm going to do that um, in the new year when I get like when I. Um, when all the holidays craziness gets uh, is done and over with. Um, but I really, oh, that game. Like, and it's also one of the, uh, one of the accessible games of the year that I really enjoyed. Not only the fact that they had accessibility options in at the beginning of the game before you even start, uh, and the fact that you can adjust the, the the difficulty level. And I loved how they named the difficulty level levels from friendly to amazing to spectacular. It's all the nicknames or all the adjectives that have been used to describe Spider-Man in its 60-year history. That I thought was a really nice touch. But all the accessibility options that they gave into the game, although not perfect, allowed me to enjoy the game even more so. And the fact... Like, I wouldn't have been able to platinum that game if it wasn't for the trophies being accessible. If you listen to me, uh, if you listen to me on Kind of Funny Games Daily, you heard me talk about this in that the reason why I was able to get a platinum was that the trophies were accessible. Like, the fact that there wasn't a lot of skill based trophies uh, and the ones that were skill based, the way that they have this sort of point system was that you bronze, silver, and gold. 
all you needed for some of those trophies to collect was just silver and above. And it wasn't that difficult to get a silver and above on a lot of the skill-based trophies. But I was able to do so. And it was tough. It was challenging. But it was enough for me. Like, I felt like it was something that was within my reach. I did not expect that kind of, like that kind of accessibility within that game. Um, and I sort of talked about it as well, where I feel like games can be sometimes accidentally accessible or like there's n- like, it wasn't really, really intentional that this ga- uh, games were accessible. Uh, and I feel like one, two switch is, is very much like that. A lot of games from Nintendo are very much like that, but this game was, I feel like accidentally accessible in that they probably, they probably wanted to have the trophies uh, like available for anyone to, that wants to be able to do it. And I know that there's a lot of people that have platinum that game. Um, and I don't know if it was their intention to be able to make it so that their game can be easily achievable or that platinum could be easily achievable. But for the, for the fact that that's my first one, they, they made me feel that I, I accomplished something. I accomplished something um, like a goal that I never thought was possible. Cause I look at like, I look at Greg Miller. He's got like, I think he's close to getting his hundredth platinum trophy if he hasn't already. And he's like, he loves collecting platinums and he's a really good gamer. Like he's skilled. Like he actually like, he like, and there's a lot of people that have skills that I like guarantee you probably have a like couple platinums that you got in games that you just didn't even realize that like, Oh yeah, I got a platinum. Like I, I totally get that. But for someone like myself, that a blind gamer growing up as a kid where I could barely beat Super Mario and I had to watch my brother play a lot of video games and beat a lot of video games. And I like in the fact that within the past three years, I've been able to finish a lot of games that I never thought I would be possible. Getting that platinum was an achievement that was felt like it was out of reach. Even though, yes, there's games that you can easily get platinum in like 15 minutes, and I'm not one of those to just dive in and, and try to be able to get a bunch of that stuff. I wanted my first platinum to kind of mean something, and that game was was the game I felt, yeah, I can accomplish this platinum. I can do this. I can do this. I personally, as a blind gamer, can do this, and I want to thank Insomniac Games for making that possible. You You didn't help a blind man see but you did help a blind man achieve a goal that he never thought possible. So that's it. That's, that's my list. That's my list of games for 2018. Um, my game of the year, Marvel Spider-Man being the game of the year for me. Uh, I know it was it, it, this game, this year for 2018 was an amazing year. I thought again, 2017 was an amazing year. Uh, it's funny that 2017 for me was the year of the switch. I played a lot of the switch in 2017, not so much in 2018. I did play a little bit more of Xbox, uh, this, this year than I did previously. Majority of these games I played, obviously they're the top two are exclusive to PlayStation only, but I think this year was an amazing year. Not just for myself, but in games in general. Um, I didn't even touch on any of the PlayStation VR stuff that I've played that I really enjoyed. And there's a lot of games that I've started that I can't wait to be able to get back to, like Beat Saber, Tetris Effect, and uh, just and, and uh, Firewall, um, like and Moss. I want to actually get back into that. Like, there's a lot of games that I, I'm excited to be able to play again 
and just play and enjoy. Like, it's just, this is a great year for games, and I can't wait to see what 2019 has in store. I have no idea what 2019 has in store, and that excites me the most. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. It's going on about 47, 48 minutes now, uh, and I thank you so much for being with me in 2018 and following along with me in 2018. Uh, you've been amazing. Uh, I would not be here if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much. And if you want to be able to follow along, if you're not following me on YouTube, youtube.com slash snowball, I would appreciate it if you subscribe to that. Uh, I've got some, uh, videos. I, I can't wait to be able to put out some great videos on that channel. Uh, if you're not following along on this podcast, I'll definitely give it a subscribe so that I can keep doing more and encourage me to do more. The more you subscribe on my YouTube channel or my podcast feed, the more it encourages me to keep doing more of it. Um, so I thank you for that. And, um, let me know, follow me on Twitter and on, or on Instagram, uh, at Steve Saylor. Let me know what you think. What is your game of the year? Um, and do you agree with my list? Do you agree that Marvel Spider-Man was number one? Do you think that God of War should have been my number one game? Do you think that there was another game that I completely missed that should have been my game of the year? Definitely let me know at Steve Saylor. Um, so thank you so much for, for listening. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you have an amazing new year and I hope you had an amazing holidays. And as always, I remain obedient to yours.